The following is a presentation of WYN, Westminster Youth Ministry. In the world of youth ministry, students have lots of questions. However, sometimes they simply don't have a place that they can ask them. In this study called Burning Questions, we have given students an opportunity to write in questions anonymously. Each week we will take some time to answer one of those questions to help our students see how we faithfully wrestle with these issues. We hope you enjoy. started let's do this we're gonna jump into our question tonight so our question is why do we follow some parts of the Old Testament and not others so that is our burning question for tonight so I'm gonna ask uh, Christopher to pray for us and then we're gonna get started all right let's pray Father, thank you for everyone that's here and that we can come and listen to your word and pray that you would speak through free tonight and it would be your words and not his. You would be a vessel to speak God's grace and God's uh, beauties that are found in his work tonight and that we would be receptive and that we would listen and understand and give us ears to hear Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about law tonight. So I wanted to start by letting you know about a couple of ridiculous laws that still exist. So in the city of Tuzin, Poland, Winnie the Pooh is banned from playgrounds because local authorities think that it's inappropriate for a bear to not wear pants. So that's an actual, that is an actual regulation. In 2007, the Chinese government banned Tibetan monks from reincarnating without their permission. So if you want to be reincarnated in China, you have to go through the Chinese government to do it. Uh, In Chicago, you are not allowed to fish while sitting on top of a giraffe's neck. What? In Baltimore, Maryland, you cannot take a lion to a movie theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, And lastly, in Wyoming, you cannot take a picture of a rabbit between the months of January and April without an official permit. In Wyoming, they get like a bunch of weird things, and photography is heavily restricted. Learn something new every day. So, my point in telling you all that is some laws seem very strange to us, some laws seem very outdated to us. And sometimes we don't even know why certain laws exist. And I think we can take those questions and look at them via Scripture, because there's some Old Testament laws that are very confusing to us and may seem like they're very outdated. So that's why we're asking this question, because Christ has come, he's died, he's going to come again. There are certain things that we don't have to follow from the Old Testament, and it's hard for us to figure out what's what. So we're going to try and do that tonight. So the question, why do we follow some parts of the Old Testament and not others? We're going to talk about the three different types of, of law that are in the scriptures, and then we're going to look at the three uses of those laws, and then we're going to look at the question of how does Christ fulfill certain parts of that so that we don't have to follow them anymore. So let's start with the three forms of the law. Again, in order to understand the Old Testament laws, I think it's good for us to understand what the Old Testament is talking about, and looking at it through these three things helps us to figure out what these mean. So the moral law, what do you think would be an example of the moral law from the Old Testament? Raise your hand. Gideon. Okay, that's a great example of part of the moral law. So the Ten Commandments would be part of the moral law. It's just as it sounds. The moral law consists of all the laws that pertain to things that are acceptable and things that are not acceptable from a moral standpoint. These laws are all based on the character of God. When he tells us not to murder, he tells us that because he values life. Okay, when he tells us not to commit adultery, he tells us that because he values relationships and he values covenants. Okay. The Ten Commandments would be the best example of this. God is holy, therefore idolatry is unacceptable. Therefore, using his name in an unworthy way is unacceptable. That would be an example of the moral law from the Old Testament. Now, the civil law. This one's a little bit more tricky. Okay, the civil law deals with relational issues within the nation of 
Israel. So you have very strange laws, like if your neighbor's donkey is stuck in a ditch, you are required by law to go and help him take care of that donkey. And if you don't, then you're in trouble. That would be a civil law specifically for the nation of Israel. This doesn't apply to the Gentiles. It only applies to Israel. These laws deal with judicial issues, land disputes, property, attire, etc., etc. Okay. Again, these are how Israel was to deal with one another. Another example, Leviticus 24, deals with laws of retaliation. So the whole eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing. That would be an example of the civil law. So we have moral, Ten Commandments. We have civil, dealing with relationships. And then we have ceremonial. What would you venture to guess would be some of these? The priests, what did they have to do? They had to go make sacrifices. So the ceremonial laws deal with the festivals, deal with the sacrifices, deal with all the priestly duties. Examples, sacrificing for sins, promoting purity practices for worship, cleansing rituals. An example of this would be in Leviticus 1 and 2. We have specific laws pertaining to burnt and grain offerings. There's things that are commanded by God for those specific purposes. So understanding that there are different types of law helps us engage our main question of why do we follow certain parts and not others tonight. Now that we've gone through that, I want to look at the three uses of the law because we still do all three of these. Okay? We will always do all three of these. We don't always have to follow all three of these. So let's look at the three uses, and then we'll jump in to how we engage that a little bit more. So the civil use of the law. Okay? So say you're driving, and there's a speed limit sign that says 65 miles per hour. Okay? Is it good for you to try and go as close to 65 miles an hour as you can? Yes. Yes. Why? Because you don't want to get rear-ended. No. Okay. Gideon? Because otherwise you could be um, apprehended for holding up traffic. Okay. Get a ticket for going too fast. You could get a ticket for going too fast. The reason that that sign is there is for two reasons. One is to keep order. Okay. If everyone's going as fast as they can all the time, there's going to be mass chaos, there's going to be accident, etc., etc. Okay. But two, it's also to keep yourself safe. Okay, so part of the civil use of the law is to restrict sin, to restrict us making bad decisions. So when we look at the law, when we look at, I'm going to use the Ten Commandments as an example tonight. When we look at the law of do not murder, the civil use, the civil application of that law is, if I murder somebody, I go to prison, or I go to the electric chair, or I face this type of punishment. Okay, so the civil use of the law is meant to restrict sin in your life and to keep you from sinning. We still do that. Okay? It's good for us to look at the law and say, I don't need to kill somebody today. Okay? Would you all agree? We don't need to wake up in the morning and say, I think I'll kill somebody. No, it's not okay. That's the application, the civil application of the law for you. We apply this quite often, but we don't really think about it. It's a way to keep us safe and promote peace and order, but also to keep us from making really, really bad decisions. So who did I ask to read Romans 13, 3, 4? Me. Caleb, will you read that one out loud? For rulers are not a terror to good conduct to bad. But you have no fear of the one who is in authority, then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, not for the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Okay, so this would be an example of the civil use of the law. So governments are put in place as an authority over us. Ultimately, who is our authority? God. But he does give us governments in order to keep peace and promote peace and to keep people safe. So following the law in the civil sense is essentially like following the laws of our country. Okay? It's meant to promote peace. All right, now I'm going to move on to one that has a very long name, but I'm going to simplify it for you. It's the pedagogical use of the law. But essentially this means the law is a mirror for you. Okay? What the law does is, and thank you, Ellie, for writing these up because you have better handwriting than me. What the law does is when you look at the commandment of do not murder, 
Okay? What that should do for you is two things. As a mirror, you look at it and you say, deep down inside, I am a murderer. The law points out the sin in our lives. Okay? The law shows us that we are sinners. But also in that mirror, the pedagogical use of the law says, not only are you a sinner, but you need something. Okay? You need someone to sacrifice for you. You need forgiveness. All right, so again, the pedagogical use tells you that you are a sinner and you need something to make up for that. Romans 7, 7 through 11. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, or I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandments came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceiving me and through it, killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment held. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Again, the law shows us that we have sin in our hearts. And God had to give us the Ten Commandments in order for us to see that. Because of what? Because of our sin, okay? Because we're born sinful. We have original sin that keeps us from understanding what Scripture says. So God gave us that law in order to show us what our sin is, but also to show our need for a Savior. And then lastly, the third way that we use the law is the normative use. So in a nutshell, this essentially says that the law helps you glorify your Savior, helps you glorify your God. Okay, The law gives you a normative way for you to live that shows that you love your God and shows that you want to honor him. Who did I give John 14, 15 to? Will you read that for me? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Very straightforward, right? If you love God, then you are going to want to keep his commandments. doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly. In order to show God love, we do what? We listen. We keep his commandments. We aim to listen to what his scripture tells us. The normative way is, is the way that Christians show their gratitude and their love for God. We listen to him. We appreciate the laws that he's given. We use the law as a roadmap for our lives. So when you wake up in the morning, you can say, not killing somebody is a great way for me to honor Jesus today. Not committing adultery is the same. Not getting angry at people, not cheating people out of money, or, or all that you can insert whatever sin you want there. But not sinning is a way for you to honor Jesus. Okay, let's look at the example of the commandment of not stealing. So, okay, so we're going to fly all three of these right here. What would be the civil application of us not stealing? So what would be the way to look at not stealing as a civil application of the law? So Let's go Gideon and Fallon. It ruins the economy. Okay, it could ruin the economy. Fallon. You, you could go to jail. You could face punishment. You can pay fines. Okay? The civil application for us is it's not good for me to steal because I could get into trouble for it. Okay, what about the mirror use? What would be the mirror application of the law for do not steal? Remember, it points out what? Our sin. Our sin and... Okay, so how do we apply that to do not steal? What does stealing reveal inside of us? It reveals that we are thieves at our core, right? And who's the only one that can forgive us and give us grace for that? Jesus. Jesus, okay? So that's how the law serves as a pedagogical mirror for us. What about the normative use? How does do not steal help us to honor Jesus? Yeah, because we're listening to him, keeping his commandments. So by looking at that candy bar at the checkout aisle, we all wanted to steal a candy bar at some point in our lives. Okay? Yeah, we all do. We all still, every time we see the Snickers bar, we're like, man, that looks so good. Okay? We have all wanted to steal something, but by not stealing it, that's a way for us to honor 
Jesus. Okay? It reminds us to avoid stealing and to promote what? Promote honesty. So now, we've looked at the three forms. We've looked at how we apply those laws. Let's answer the question that was asked tonight. Why do we follow some parts but not others? So in order to do that, I'm going to ask Christopher to read Luke 24, 13 to 27. It's kind of a lengthy section, but this is going to help us. Okay. On the road to Emmaus, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word because God and all the people... And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow apart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, thank you for reading that. It's a lengthy passage. I wanted the whole context of what's going on here. So there's these two people walking along the road, and they've just left the city, and they're talking about how, you know, this guy, Jesus, we thought he was the Messiah, but, you know, he hasn't really come back, and we're kind of confused. And then Jesus comes along, and they don't recognize him. And what does he do here? Did you all catch that? He explains something to them. Did you, did you hear what, what he said? Did you not believe what the prophet said? Okay, that's part of it. Gideon. Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, so what Jesus did, in very simple terms, is he essentially said, we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to walk all the way through up to where we are now, and I'm going to show you why everything that you have read points towards the Messiah. When we look at the scriptures, when we look at these laws that are just confusing and we don't understand why they exist, we have to understand that in light of the fact that everything, the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial law, all point towards who? All points towards Jesus. Now, the moral law points towards his character. That is great, and we always need to fulfill that. The civil law and the ceremonial law point towards certain things about what he's going to do. And once he comes, we don't need those anymore because he fulfills it in the perfect way. Okay? Christ is the focus of the Old Testament. And if we look at the Old Testament through that lens, it helps us understand the rules about helping your neighbor's donkey when it's caught in a ditch. It helps us understand why we need to not steal and murder and, and all these laws. Matthew five seventeen to 18. Who did I give that one to? Do I not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So Jesus is not coming to do away with anything. Okay? He's not coming to do away with everything that the Old Testament pointed towards. But what he's saying is, I'm here to show you why those were meant for something even greater. Right here in this section, he's in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. 
And we know that Jesus isn't doing away with the law because of what? Because he talks about the law. He talks about anger. He talks about adultery. He talks about all these things. He gives the Beatitudes, which gives us a rule for life. So he's going through the law and saying, these are important. But most importantly, it's about what's going on in your heart. Okay? Because the Pharisees, they took the laws and they did what? They, okay, they added to them. They forced it on people. They were abusing that law. And Jesus is saying, no, at the core, these laws are good. And you should follow them. You shouldn't murder. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't retaliate towards people. But rather, it's about what's going on in your heart. And if your heart's not in the right place, then obviously you have a complete misunderstanding of the law in itself. Okay? I'm going to read this quote by a guy named Bern Poitras. And he says this, What the law foreshadowed and embodied in all of its symbols and shadows is now coming into realization in Jesus. What was earthly and first in its function of the law is now fulfilled in heavenly realities. Jesus' teachings represent not only a reiteration of the law, but a step forward, bringing the purposes of the law into realization. The law is to be written on the hearts of all of his disciples, as we see in Jeremiah 31. Jesus does not assert a merely static continuation of the force of these laws, but rather a very dynamic advance, in fact, a definitive fulfillment. So when we look at these Old Testament laws, they all show us Jesus, our perfect Savior, and what he's done for us. What are some laws that we don't have to follow anymore? We don't have to follow the civil and the ceremonial laws. Okay? It's only the moral law that we still consider an active part of our obedience to Jesus. And why? Okay, the civil laws, again, just deal with disputes between individuals. And who is this for? Specifically for? Israel. Are we Israel? No. no. Therefore, it is null and void, and we don't need that anymore. Israel abandoned perception of who the Messiah would be. Okay? Israel, in a sense, is no longer God's people, but rather the church is God's people. And Christ has come to fulfill all that for us. Okay? That doesn't mean Israelites and Jews are not part of God's kingdom. It just simply means that the way that he is showing his love is no longer just for Israel specific, but it's for all of his people. Okay, Ceremonial law. I'm going to read Hebrews 9 and we're going to end with this. But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, and through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of the heifers sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offers himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works and serve the living God? So all these Old Testament practices of sacrificing animals, the specifics on how that was done, how much blood, how it was spread, how many times the priest had to do that, all of that comes to fruition in Jesus. Remember, the priest had to go and sacrifice a lot. But what happens with Jesus? He was sacrificed how many times? Once. Once, once and for all. Okay? Hebrews continues on to, to talk about how he went behind the curtain once and for all for us so it wouldn't have to be done again. So, is the ceremonial law important for us anymore? No. no. Now, are there good things we can learn from the civil and ceremonial law? Yes. Absolutely. Okay? There are good things for us to learn from these, but they are not our standards. This is. Why? Because it expresses God's character to us. It expresses his love for us. And the moral law. This is what we hold fast and true to. Okay? At some point in the next year or so, we're going to do an in-depth study of the Ten Commandments. We're going to talk about the good parts of the Ten Commandments, not killing, and then we're going to look at the bad parts. If, if we do kill, why is that bad? Okay, there's always a positive and a negative spin to each commandment. We don't kill, but we also promote life. We don't steal, but we also promote honesty. Okay? These are the things that we still apply to our hearts each and every day. Okay? Jesus fulfilled the moral law to the letter. 
Okay? And he did it for you and me. But he also wants us to reflect that back to him. He also wants us to live that out. So you don't have to you know, go and kill a bull and sacrifice. Jesus shows us mercy. He shows us grace. But he also desires that we apply the law in all these ways. It's good for us to not want to get in trouble and not speed. It's good for us to look at speeding and say, you know what? I should probably follow the law, and it's good for me, but I need Jesus to help me. Very good for us to look at the law and say, this is a way for me to honor my Savior. Amen? Amen. 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 Let me pray, then we'll break for small groups. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this night. I ask that you would please be with us as we look at your law and why it's important for us, Lord. And Lord, we do thank you that there are certain things that are no longer required of us, but rather we can look to you as the fulfillment of those things. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYM.